Well, Happy New Year. I'm back. It is Eric Erickson here, and it just so happens to be my show. Thanks for sticking around and being with me. Yeah, I realize most of the world goes back to normal tomorrow, but I'm ready to go back to normal. Now, you need to know something before we begin and get into the headlines, and this is actually kind of important. I have a concussion. So if I start slurring my words and rambling, you'll understand I'm not drunk and I'm not insane. <laughs> the dirtiest thing. I got golf clubs for Christmas. I went to the golf to the driving range to try them out. And uh got was was helping my son who's a lefty and was standing too far forward and took the full force of his forward swing into the side of my head and got a two inch divot taken out. Um they they stitched me back together. I don't remember anything. I, I genuinely I shouldn't say I don't remember anything because bits and pieces are starting to come forward. But by and large, I now remember, in fact, every night since it happened, I have jumped out of the bed uh, in the middle of the night, waking up to the thwack uh, on the side of my head. And I did not black out. It was stars. And you know, you know how when you see like an explosion in a movie that they do that ringing in your ear sound? Yeah, it was that and it was stars. It was no blackout. Um, I drove us home and now I, I didn't remember that for the longest time, but I remember I drove us home cause I, I put my hand up to my head and there was blood, but I wasn't bleeding. I'm like, all right, I can get us home. And I distinctly remember, uh, we were coming down the road. We were close to our house. My son was very quiet and I wanted to make sure he knew everything was okay. So I looked in the rear view mirror and could suddenly see his eyes were as big as saucers staring at me in the rear view mirror. And I had blood pouring down the side of my face and I wanted to <laughs> Like it's a, it's a cut on my head. It always bleeds, but I'm okay. We'll get home. So we get home and I, I run into the bathroom and start washing my face. Blood is everywhere. And that's all I remember. Uh, I, I'm done at that point. I, I can't tell you the rest of the story. I can tell you from what my wife says, uh, the doctor and the nurses were all fans. They all listened to me on the radio. Uh, one doctor apparently came in and said, I saw that name on the list. And I was wondering if it was that a-hole on the radio and then said, let's go Brandon. So she knew he was okay, <laughs> but I, I don't, I don't remember. Um, I, I, I don't remember anything. It's just the weirdest thing. So I'll, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. I'm, I'm much improved. I am much improved. The evenings are still a little rough, but the middle of the day is fine. So everybody's like, oh my gosh, should we have the best stuff ready? He's like, no, nah, I trust me. I can do this. When the sun goes down, I get a little loopy by that end of the day, but I, I can do this. I, I will just, I'll, I'll put one last point on this before, because we do need to move on. I realize it's my show, but you're here for the news. The way I would describe this to you is, you know how, have you ever seen a satellite in the skylight? Like at night, you can sometimes see satellites. They, they reflect the sunlight. If you look directly at the satellite moving across the sky at night, you can't see it. You have to look a little ways away from it, and you can kind of see it out of the corner of your eye and your peripheral vision. You can see it move. Or like uh, I was at my in-laws for Christmas, and there was a beaver swimming in the water, and it was night. And if I looked directly out where I knew the beaver was, you couldn't really see it. But if you kind of looked out to the side, you could see it more out of your peripheral vision. And I don't know why that is, but that's like this concussion. Uh, I, I know there's stuff that happened yeah, and I can kind of out of the corner of my eye make it make sense. But when I try to focus on it, nothing, I, I can't remember. It's it's the weirdest thing. 
and apparently it'll get it will get better. It has got remarkably better. I remember details now. I didn't then, uh, but that that's how my Christmas went. And those of you who know me, who are regular listeners, know that I find it impossible to not work. And uh, we have figured out what it takes for me to not work, and that is a a forceful blow to the head. As for my son, he's doing very well. A lot of people were concerned. He he's doing well. We actually went out to the driving range on Saturday. Uh, he hit better. Uh, I hit very good with my new clubs. I now remember hitting my clubs, but he's totally fine. I did convince him he should leave the blood on the nine iron. So if he's ever bullied at the golf course, he can pull it out and show him and say, look what happened to the last guy. So now that being said, we will move on. Uh, it is 2022 now. It's 2022 and the headlines are remarkably the same. You could be confused speaking in a confused state you you could be confused or forgiven for thinking you're in 2021 because the headlines as we start 2022 are the headlines of 2021 covid crime school shutdowns the economy jobs foreign policy these are all the same headlines when donald trump was president donald trump had a remarkable ability until covid hit to change the headlines Donald Trump could, with Twitter, tweet on a Wednesday and uh, everyone would have forgotten the headlines on Monday. I mean, there was that time there we went through the, the Soleimani stuff, the North Korea stuff, and on and on and on. Uh, and, and just every week there was a new headline. Every week there was something else. Uh, the president would have a, a, um, a State of the Union address. Everyone would be buzzing about it. And then he would tweet something insulting to someone a few days later. And suddenly no one's talking about State of the Union anymore. They're talking about the next thing. And on and on it went. It was remarkable. It was his remarkable ability to keep people from focusing on anything until COVID hit. And when COVID hit, it it was like kryptonite to one of his superpowers. And the media became obsessed with the COVID headlines. And it seemed to be intentional. It seemed to be anti-Trump. It seemed to be all about damaging him. And yet the COVID headlines continue. And now they're hurting Joe Biden in ways they hurt Donald Trump. People are living in fear. Uh, we now have the Omicron variant, which you should know the data suggests is if you're going to get the virus, it's the one you want to get. Uh, that uh, less hospitalizations, even among the unvaccinated, um, it's not as bad of a virus to get. It's not good, but it's not as awful as the others. And now you got Fauci out there still saying, like the other day, suggested maybe we do need proof of vaccines to get on uh airplanes. And then he said this, which is one of the worst possible messages we could have out there. How should vaccinated and boosted people behave? Can they go into a restaurant, eat safely indoors right now? You know, when you're having such a, I call it a tsunami of infections, Thana, we are seeing people who are vaccinated and boosted who are getting breakthrough infections. So when you're in a situation where you have so many infections going out, the thing that you want to say is that if you want to do things like that, better do them in a setting where you know the people around you are vaccinated and boosted. So if you're vaccinated and boosted, don't hang out with the unvaccinated. We, we are running into a class-driven society here. And you know, there is this trend now I'm noticing in the Hollywood elite and, and people in New York, the rich set, where they want all the servers, the waiters, and the waitresses to be masked while they don't have to do it. Uh, We are setting up class divides in this country with this stuff. And then you've got situations now with school closings again around the country. 
Uh, in, in Georgia, where I am, the major counties around Atlanta are remote. Now, you, you need to understand this because that there is a lot of um, hyperbole out there. And I want to be as nuanced as I can. I want to spend some time with this later. But just the, the nutshell version of this right now is, from what I'm told, remote learning in the Atlanta area where I am has become a national story. And what all the national stories are missing is that it's only for a week. And the reason it is for a week is because they don't have enough teachers. A lot of teachers got infected over the Christmas season and they got to give them the 14 days. So they're going remote this week. Now, if this continues, it's going to become a legislative issue. The legislature in Georgia in 2004 passed a law that allowed remote learning to count for in-person, in-classroom time. It was designed for people with religious objections and and, uh, health issues to not be in classrooms, but it's being taken advantage of by local school boards to go remote because of COVID. Now, the Atlanta situation is reasonable. The problem is that in uh, Virginia, in New York, in Michigan, in Illinois, and in another number of progressive areas in the country, School boards have decided to go remote in perpetuity again because of COVID. They're living in fear of it. It's not because of a teacher shortage in these areas like the Atlanta situation. It's fear of the virus. And all you got to do is look what happened in the Virginia election to realize that maybe, just maybe, this is something the Republicans can take advantage of. Then there's the economy issue. I went to my local grocery store. So I got to tell you guys. Uh, you know, I love my Rectech, my pellet grill, but uh, apparently the meat probe that comes with my Rectech grill was broken. And I bought a $40 brisket to smoke. I wanted brisket tacos this weekend. So I bought a $40 brisket. It had been, it would have been a $20, $25 brisket a couple of months ago. $40 for this brisket. It wasn't even a full brisket, just brisket flat. $40. And I burned it. The meat thermometer was wrong. Um, and I took it out. The meat thermometer says it was 200 degrees. It was really about 250. It was brittle and dry. It was awful. I was so mad. But nonetheless, there was no chicken at the grocery store. My local Publix grocery store, there was frozen chicken. There were frozen chicken breasts, frozen chicken nuggets and things like that. But there was no fresh refrigerated chicken. None. None at all. Which is crazy. There were no, um, there were no uh, frozen fry products, no frozen potato products. There were no frozen crinkle fries. There were no frozen curly fries. There were no frozen tater tots, nothing, completely empty. It was crazy. It's like we're back in the middle of the pandemic again. We didn't have a lot of stuff in the groceries. And the Biden administration, the fact checkers, would tell you that this isn't real. Uh, there have been a number of stories in, I think, the Associated Press and others that came out over Christmas that the supply chain issues had resolved themselves and no one is showing uh, empty store shelves anymore. And yet I was there in the grocery store this weekend and there was no chicken in the grocery store. And I mentioned that online and the angry horde of progressive activists came out and said, you're lying. I had a picture of it. I had a picture. You're lying. Uh, no, no. It, there may be chicken in your grocery store, but not in my. And there's no sports drinks either. The Powerade and the Gatorade section, uh, my local Publix and my local Kroger, they're completely empty. You, you can't find Gatorade and Powerade. I don't know what the supply chain issue is with them because they're not coming from China. I have no idea, but we're still dealing with that issue. We're dealing with the jobs issue as well. That My trash has not been picked up in over a week. My recycling has not been picked up in a month. Our local sanitation department in our county can't get workers to drive the trash trucks. 
and they had privatized to advanced disposal. I think their contract was up in my county uh, January 1st. We've got a new company coming in that promises to fix the problem, but who's going to pick up the trash cans from the old trash can? I have no idea, but none of my neighbors, we, we've got trash piled up and half for weeks outside and no one's picking it up. And it's not just at, at the local governmental level. You're having restaurant closures still around the country because of a lack of workers. People are staying home. People are getting other jobs. Moms, it turns out, have decided that they want to stay home with their kids. And because so many schools are shutting down, they're staying home and they're homeschooling their kids. They're redirected family priorities. This is one of the outcomes of the pandemic that actually long-term will probably be good, having more stay-at-home moms and stay-at-home dads, because it's not all moms. It's mostly moms. But in some cases, it's the mom had higher income, so the dad stayed home. They've made ends meet. They, they've taken cuts. Uh, they've cut back where they can. And now you've got kids with a parent at home for the first time in, in a decade. It has really turned things on its head, but it's caused a worker shortage in America. It's no longer the benefits. Now, in some cases, in some states, it still is the benefits. But overwhelmingly, it's no longer the benefits. It's the people realizing they didn't have to keep up with the Joneses anymore. It's not a, not a, not a bad thing. The problem is it's having a real impact on restaurant workers and grocery stores. Uh, my local grocery store, I went in on New Year's Day, and there was one cash register open. Everybody was in the self-help line, and normally there are at least three or four cash registers open at all times. They didn't have enough people. They, In fact, uh, last week after Christmas, they had to shut the deli down in the afternoon because they didn't have people there who could slice meat and cheese for people. It's a real problem in the economy. And everybody's having to raise wages to get induce people to come back to work, but that's causing more inflation. And inflation won't go away. Inflation is, in some cases, getting worse. Even as gas prices go down, inflation is continuing to go. All of these are headlines from last year. It's a brand new year. We should be able to kickstart it, and we can't. We can't get rid of the other headlines. And then, of course, you've got China, Russia, Iran, all of that stuff that continues to percolate and get bad. And these are the headlines that Joe Biden can't escape. Now, there are problems here for the Democrats on this, just quickly, in a nutshell. Joe Biden now, because of Afghanistan, the presupposition for everything Joe Biden does now is ineptitude. When the public looks at all the problems out there right now because of Afghanistan, it's now soaked into the body politic that Joe Biden is incompetent out to lunch. I may have a concussion, but he's like a vegetable in the basement these days. More and more people think. Now, that's mean to say, but a lot of people have internalized that Joe Biden is just out to lunch and his team is incompetent. So when problems happen, it reflects worse on the president and drives down his popularity. The other problem here is that it's now January 3rd. 2022, an even-numbered year, which means there's a federal election. In fact, the first primaries happen in another couple of months. So whether you want to be in an election cycle or not, we're in an election cycle, and the Democrats are still dealing with the fallout from COVID, the fallout from crime, the fallout from education, the fallout from the economy, the fallout from the job shortage, the fallout from inflation, and all the foreign policy mess that Joe Biden is causing. That brings us into a political season that's going to be bad for them. So you know what? They're going to scream even more about January 6th. For several years when I practiced law, I volunteered for the Alliance Defending Freedom to be an on-call lawyer for them. It's one of the few legal nonprofits in the country that really racks up wins, both state courts and federal courts for conservatives and Christians. People have a Christian conservative worldview. 
Since leaving my law practice, I volunteered in the past to speak at ADF events. I've been to their training sessions where they teach lawyers and pundits how to talk plainly about complex legal issues and understand the state of play on cases around the country from local city councils all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. Now I'm glad to have ADF as an advertiser, but honestly, I'd be encouraging you to support them this time of year anyway. The Alliance Defending Freedom takes donations from you and uses them to help those who can't afford lawyers hire the very best lawyers to fight for freedom from the Supreme Court of the land all the way down to the local level. Right now, ADF has received a matching grant, so all new donors will have their gifts matched. All you have to do is go to adflegal.org slash Erickson today and donate. adflegal.org slash Erickson, E-R-I-C-K-S-O-N. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here. It is my show. You are, oh, you know what? It's one of those things I forgot, but not because of the concussion. <laughs> I turned on the call screening program. Uh, the phone number, if you would like to be a part of the program, uh, 877-973-7425. I think I got that right. Otherwise, you're calling somebody in Mumbai and don't realize it. <laughs> 877-973-7425 if you want to be on the program. Uh, very happy to have you if you want to be on the program. Now, um, we got to move on to other stuff. Norman Mailer. You know who Norman Mailer is? I am not a Norman Mailer fan. Uh, just so you understand me here, um, he's not was not a, a a guy I particularly cared for. He was very much of the left. He died in um, ni- uh, 2007, and a Random House was going to put together a um, compendium of his political writings to commemorate the centennial of his birth next year. Now, you should know, whether I like him or not, he is probably one of the most famous American writers of the 20th century, uh, and he was also considered one of the great nonfiction writers of the 20th century. Uh, Truman Capote, uh, Tom Wolfe, uh, Hunter Thompson, all of these guys, and, and I'm looking at Wikipedia now, uh, Joan Didion as well were considered some of the famous, real, great writers of the 20th century. And it it's just, it's interesting to me that they've decided not to um, make his book. Random House has canceled the project. And, and again, I may not have liked him. I, I thought he was, was very much a, a progressive uh, before progressives were really a thing. He was very much a liberal. But also, uh, it is unquestionably that he is one of the most famous writers of the 20th century in the United States. And they've canceled his book project, not because of anything other than they're afraid the wokes will come for them. Uh, I, so I subscribe to a, a newsletter. It's a Substack newsletter called The Ankler. And uh, there's a piece this morning about this, that Random House is acknowledging that one of the editors on the project is upset uh, because Norman Mailer wrote a uh, piece. He was a cultural critic and he wrote, now y'all are going to, I'm, I'm going to say the words, forgive me here if this offends you, but he wrote, it was a very famous piece entitled the white, well, it, it's it, Negro, it, not, not the N word, but that one very famous piece 
And one of the editors at Random House objected to having to include it. And then Random House decided that they would get hate if they published it at all. So they've canceled the whole project. They're canceling Norman Mailer, who was like a progressive icon for decades. This is nuts. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. It is my show. I am glad to be back with you and hope you guys had a great Christmas and New Year. Uh, One bit of housekeeping, just real quick. A lot of people have asked me, where is the Christmas Eve show? And uh, we did not load it in the podcast. The reason is because we can't put in a podcast that has music, Uh, all sorts of licensing problems when it comes to that. And I got ready to do uh to to load it in the podcast and strip out all the music and kind of explain that and then well that was the day i got hit in the head with a golf club and don't remember much after that so uh, i i will get it loaded we, i've had a ton of people who've requested it so uh, make sure you subscribe if you text the word show to 33777 i think uh you'll get links to the podcast uh for google and apple for android for ios whatever you you can subscribe or just look for the eric erickson show it's on spotify as well Subscribe to the podcast. I will get the Christmas show out there. It will be in the feed, I promise, along with the rest of the show. Uh, you can always go to ewerickson.com every day as well. You can get the 24-7 feed, uh, and just you can listen to the show uh, on your own time. Now, I, we're, we're going to hear a lot about this. This week is the first week in January, which means... On Thursday is January 6th, and the national media intends to make a spectacle of January 6th. Now, listen, I don't think uh, there was anything commendable about what happened on January 6th. I think it was a bad day. Uh, I think that it was an incursion into the U.S. Capitol to stop the United States Congress from lawfully picking the next president through the county of the Electoral College vote. And I am totally fine with the people being in jail for trying to have done that. Some of you disagree. I realize. Uh, Cobb County, Georgia, which is was the moderate Republican base of the party in Georgia for years, is having a January 6th memorial, some such thing on January 6th, where they intend to mourn the people in jail. The patriots are calling them. They weren't patriots. They were criminals. Nonetheless, while I think it was a a no good, terrible, bad day, nothing praiseworthy should not have happened and those people should go to jail, the American media wants you to think, believe, intuit, understand, and process that it was the worst day ever. Worse than the day shots were fired from Fort Sumter, if you listen to the media. Now, why? Why? To understand what's going on here, you need to understand a report from the website Morning Consult that does a lot of data-driven analysis. And one of the things uh, that they, they say is that the views of the Republican Party are back to normal. People do not hold the Republican Party in contempt for January 6th, in fact, their views of Donald Trump have rebounded as their views of Joe Biden have gone down. Now, this has everything to do with Joe Biden being president, not Donald Trump. But at the same time, Republicans are no longer associated, per se, 
with January 6th. The public does not hold it against Republicans. You will recall, I do believe, that James Carville, some great time ago, James Carville was on television and gave an interview and said that the Democrats needed to do their best to tie Republicans to January 6th in the same way Republicans have tied Democrats to the riots across the country. And that their failure to do that would mean doom in 2022. As the views of the Republican Party have rebounded, the reality, the issue, the bottom line is the media has to go into double hysterics over January 6th because they've got to convince the American public that they cannot restore Republicans to power. The media is in on this on behalf of the Democratic Party. Do you know who Oscar Lopez is? Does Oscar Lopez ring a bell? Oscar Lopez was a central commander of F-A-L-N. In English, the Armed Forces of National Liberation, a Puerto Rican terrorist group. Oscar Lopez was a central commander for Fallen. I used to call him Flan because I thought it was F-L-A-N, but it's F-A-L-N nonetheless. That organization, it was uh, set off in the 1950s by a Puerto Rican nationalist movement attack on the U.S. Congress. They shot up the House of Representatives. Oscar Lopez became one of the central leaders in the organization, and they committed 130 bombings in the United States over a number of years. In 1980, the organization, members of the organization, took hostage the presidential campaign staff of then-sitting President Jimmy Carter and of the Republican candidate for president, George H.W. Bush. When Ronald Reagan won, they plotted the kidnapping of Ronald Reagan. They were a violent extremist group, and Oscar Lopez was in charge, and Barack Obama commuted his sentence in 2017. Now, what I'm telling you is it's not new. It's not something unheard of, but it's something oftentimes glossed over by the media. There is a history of left-wing extremism in the country. And if you listen at all to the media, they would have you believe that the real problem in this country right now is right-wing domestic terrorism, where there is a long history of left-wing domestic terrorism in the United States. Long history of left-wing domestic terrorism. The Weather Underground orchestrated dozens and dozens of bombings in the United States, including the U.S. Capitol and the State Department and police stations, the assassination of uh, policemen in this country. Environmental terrorist groups have sabotaged, as recently as last year, railroad tracks in this country. Doesn't get the media coverage. But January 6th, January 6th, tell me all about January 6th, January 6th, January 6th. The media is obsessed with it. Pay no attention to left-wing violence in this country. Pay attention to January 6th. But also this. Go back to the year 2000. The Democrats commonly used a phrase about George W. Bush, that he was selected, not elected. 
They believe five members of the United States Supreme Court stole the election from them. In 2004, after George Bush won, the Democrats began spreading conspiracy theories about Iowa and the Iowa Secretary of State. I think it was Ken Blackwell at the time that somehow he had stolen I or not not I, Ohio, Ohio for George W. Bush. They refused to concede the legitimacy of the election. They thought John Kerry would win it, but for hanky panky shenanigans in Ohio. In 2016, Hillary Clinton and the Democrats orchestrated a smear on Donald Trump that he was in bed with the Russians. And to this day, most Democrats believe the Russians stole the election for Donald Trump. It's not a legitimate election. Again, Donald Trump selected, not elected, by the Russians, no less. In 2018, Stacey Abrams lost to Brian Kemp in Georgia. Stacey Abrams, you the media would have you believe Stacey Abrams came close to beating Brian Kemp, but for voter suppression. No, that's not actually it. Stacey Abrams came close to a runoff wherein she would have lost to Brian Kemp. It's not that Stacey Abrams came close to beating Brian Kemp. It's that she came close to a runoff. She couldn't even make a runoff. Hillary Clinton, Terry McAuliffe in Virginia, other prominent Democrats to this day will tell you Stacey Abrams should actually be governor of Georgia. Stacey Abrams herself refused to concede, and the media has let her get away with it. But if you deny the legitimacy of the 2020 election, you are a heretic apostate who will burn in hell. How dare you question 2020? Now, I think 2020 was a legitimate election. Were there shenanigans? Yes, but there always are. Were there enough to throw out the election? No, there were not. Spare me your outrage. But in 2016, 2017, the inauguration, well, let's back up uh, to 2020. There were protests trying to disrupt the meeting of the Electoral College around the country. Remember that? We sure do gloss over that in December of 2020. The Electoral College convened in states around the country and there were protests, attempts to disrupt the Electoral College to stop their lawful selection of Donald Trump. The media gave them all a pass. The election in 2017, the inauguration, there were riots in the streets of Washington, D.C. You all remember the woman who's screaming, holding her hands to her head, screaming no, as they announced Donald Trump president of the United States. Do you remember the limousines that they firebombed, the storefronts with the smashed windows, the pink hats designed to be women's reproductive parts? You remember any of that? There were riots in the streets because Donald Trump was elected and inaugurated. There were, you will recall, when Donald Trump cleared out, well, it turns out it wasn't really him clearing out. It was the National Park Service clearing out the protesters at Lafayette Park. They were yet again in full high dungeons and protest against Donald Trump, and they used the media to lie about what actually happened when the Inspector General report came out. Turned out everyone was wrong. Donald Trump and William Barr had not ordered tear gas fired on these people. It was the Park Service because the people were getting increasingly violent. 
You got Stacey Abrams refusing to concede and the media celebrating Stacey Abrams' refusal to concede. I would argue January 6th is a logical stepping point. It's not that January 6th was unique. It's that normally it's the Democrats who do this. This time it was the Republicans. And the media that has given a pass to all the Democratic violence, all the Democratic uh, refusal to concede elections, all the Democratic attempts to delegitimize elections, suddenly the media is really, really, really upset about Republicans and what happened on January 6th. Now, I think we should all be upset with what happened. I don't think it was good. I think it was bad. I think it was a bad day, but I don't think it was the worst day. And I think if you're someone who's given a pass to Democratic attempts to delegitimize elections and to riot when they don't get their way, you really should just keep your mouth shut about what happened on January 6th because it is a logical outcome. Now, I'll tell you what else is a logical outcome of everything that's happened with the media's refusal to focus on some things and the Democratic double standards and the like. Oscar Lopez, let's go back to him. Had a terrorist group in this country commit over 130 bombings to try to get their way. You have environmentalist groups engaging in terrorism. You have far-left groups like the Weather Underground engaging in terrorism. The media would have you believe it's right-wing extremists. Pay no attention to this, I suppose, but there is a growing movement on the left even now for authoritarianism and defensive authoritarianism for climate change. You've got the New York Times and New York Magazine running fawning profiles of a guy who's written a book calling on environmentalists to start blowing up pipelines to stop climate change. The London Review of Books, a prominent publication in Great Britain, is running not just articles but also letters to the editor in defense of authoritarians and how you need to engage in terrorism. Now is the time for violence to stop climate change. You've got in this country, the media doesn't seem to be paying attention to it. I talk about it here, uh, sabotage of rail lines in this country to stop tanker cars carrying oil. Let me read you part of this from the London Review of Books. The headline is Climate Emergency. The two pieces on Andreas Malm by James Butler and Adam Tooze raise a question that often puzzles me, namely, why do so few movements for environmental justice are willing to consider direct action or armed struggle when these strategies were certainly seen as options in 20th century anti-colonial and anti-fascist movements? Where indeed are all the eco-terrorists? Malin believes that direct action against polluting infrastructure has so far been both a morally legitimate and practically successful strategy and that it actually stops pollution and produces a powerful incentive against continued investment. If you blow up a fracking installation twice, who will insure it a third time? In the global south, movements for environmental justice are often in essence a continuation of anti-colonial resistance and are subject to the same kinds of extreme violence and repression. Yet mainstream climate movements in the West persist in family-friendly demonstrations, pitifully anemic political and well-mannered civil disobedience, rather than, say, organizing a revolutionary cadre of saboteurs are turning out in their thousands to participate in mass direct actions, which, if properly carried out, would be very difficult to prevent. You've got a defense of terrorism for environmentalism. 
But tell me, please, let's hand ring about January 6th, a day that didn't accomplish anything except give the media an excuse to not have to focus on left-wing extremism and all of the concerted efforts over decades of the left to refuse to acknowledge electoral outcomes. We're going to hear a lot about that this week. Just keep all this in perspective. And remember, they said nothing when Obama commuted the sentence of Oscar Lopez. Now, it's one of those times where I have to remember, I got to do a live read, and I should, for Eden Pure, because they're a good company. Now, Christmas is over. We're in the new year, but the air in your house could still suck. It could still stink. There could still be mildew. There could still be mold. There could still be bacteria. Do you want an easy way to clean it out? The Eden Pure Thunderstorm. Right now, in fact, I'm going to do this for you. It's been a while. I go to EdenPureDeals.com. You will see my name, Eric Erickson. You click on my name, and you will see the Eden Pure OxyLeaf 2 Thunderstorm 3-pack. Right now, you can get it for $187. That is $200 off the list price. Not only that, you're actually saving $200. You're getting it for less than $200, and you get free shipping. What you do is you go to EdenPureDeals.com, and you click on my name, Eric Erickson. You get the OxyLeaf Thunderstorm, the three-pack. You put it in your cart. At checkout, there's a discount code box. In the discount code box, you put Eric3, Eric, E-R-I-C-K, the number three. You'll get $200 off. You'll get all three of them for less than $200, and you'll get free shipping. They eliminate odors. They don't mask odors. They eliminate odors. They get rid of the bacteria, the mildew, the mold that's floating in your house. Great product, great company, EdenPureDeals.com. It is Eric Erickson here, and the phone number is 877-973-7425 if you would like to be a part of this year program. Glad to have you with me. Uh, you know, it is really good to be back, actually. Okay, so I had this weird moment last night. Sitting on the front porch, as I do on Sunday nights, and I completely, it, its I, I'm still dealing with the whole time thing. So I remember we're watching the football game. You know, I own the Green Bay Packers now. I do. Uh, my dad and I are co-owners of the Green Bay Packers. We bought them for Christmas. It was my Christmas present to my dad. Uh, now, you should know, anyone can be an owner of the Green Bay Packers. Uh, once every 10 years, they open up for sales of stock. And so I bought my dad and me each just one share of, of stock in the Green Bay Packers. Um, nonetheless, so I'm watching the Packers game last night, and I am so confused as to how we were in halftime, and it was it was the pregame show. It's just it, it was it was, but we got talking about Antonio Brown. Y'all seen this? He he walked out of the game. Uh, the Jets versus the Buccaneers walked out of the game, took his took his gear off, took his clothes off, and walked out of the game and called an Uber. And the Uber driver drove him home from the game. It was the craziest thing. Uh, and now they fired him from the Jets. Uh, high drama in the NFL last night. We will be back with school closures. I got details. And you thought these last two years were crazy. Welcome to 2022. It's coming up and nothing makes sense still, especially in business. If you're a small business owner, good luck getting financing from a big bank right now. I can offer you a fantastic solution. If you're looking for $750,000 or more in financing for your business, First Liberty Building and Loan. Let's say you want to buy a new building or you want to refi existing debt or you want to buy a company. Basically, you see opportunity for your business to grow, but you've hit a wall with the mega banks getting financing. That's where First Liberty Building and Loan and my friends, the Frost family, come in. They solve small business financing problems better than anyone I've ever seen. They say yes, where big banks say no. It's that simple. Look, just do this. Spend 10 minutes with them. 
Call them, First Liberty Building and Loan. Say Eric sent you. In 10 minutes, you'll know if you're a good fit for their program. Go to firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. They help small businesses nationwide in all 50 states. Firstlibertyga.com. 